there's a lot of big things going on, um, a lot of things happening. Whether you're here in the Bay Area, you're on the other side of the country, you're on the other side of the pond, um, we come together um, on this Zoom call and we recognize as a faith family that there is so much going on and it raises the question, what is, what's most important? I mean, there's been so many things that have been thrown at us. Um, the media right now is choosing which events are most important to highlight on the nightly news. Which one is most important? Um, right now, Democrats and Republicans are basing their campaigns on what is most important to our country or what they guess is most important to us as voters. The evacuees have scanned their house and they have to determine what is most important as they pack their car. Even firefighters have to choose from among hundreds of fires determining which is most important to battle in any given moment. Another issue right now, which is most important, the physical health of Americans, the fiscal health of our economy, or the mental health of the people suffering through depression and isolation? an economic disaster. How about an education? What's important? We have teachers and parents who are weighing the importance of health, the importance of social interaction among students, and the importance of the health of teachers and students. What is most important as we begin this school year? Some of you are, are losing jobs your unemployment resources are drying up, and you're faced with determining, determining what is the most important next step that you must take. Today and in the following two weeks, we're gonna study a, a passage of scripture that actually poses the question, what is most important? What is most important? And I, I think that there are a lot of different situations. There are so many right answers to this, but I want us to go to one passage in particular. It's Mark chapter 12. Write this down. This will be something that you can uh, return to during the week. It's something that you can follow along with this morning. Mark 12, beginning in verse 28, um, there was a teacher of the law who came to... Um, let me go ahead and put this one in the chat feature so you can kind of follow along as we're going. One of the teachers of the law came and heard them debating, uh, and he asked Jesus, of all the commandments, which is the most important? Now, this is a pretty big question because the rabbis had counted, had assembled 613 commands in the Mosaic Law. And so this individual is coming to Jesus and saying, of these 613, which is the most important? And the 613 commands were broken into two categories. There were 365 positive commands. In other words, do this. And there were um, 248 negative commands. In other words, do not do this. And they recognized that though all laws were important, they were not equally important or equally uh, foundational. So they debated which were the heavy commands and, and which were maybe the light ones. And ultimately they wanted to know um, 
basically as a test to Jesus how he would answer this. And so someone bravely approached Jesus and asked a simple question about the importance of those 613 laws. And Jesus responds with this, beginning in verse 29. Let me put this in, uh, in the chat as well. The most important one, answered Jesus, is this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. Maybe he broke into song and began to sing, uh, One Thing Remains. I don't think so, but that song is such a beautiful picture of what we were just singing of the importance of love. And then he goes on to say, uh, regarding the importance of this command, the second is this, to love your neighbor as yourself. There is no commandment greater than these. And so here's, uh, let me kind of break down where we're going to go uh, for this week and the next two weeks. This, this week, we're going to seek to better understand what Jesus meant by saying we are to love him with all of our heart, all of our soul, all of our mind, and all of our strength. Next week, I want us to think about what are practical things that we can do that increase our love for God in those areas. Um, and then the third week, uh, I want us to see how those dovetail into a sincere, selfless love for the people around us. How a love for God will lead us naturally into a love for our neighbors, the love uh, for the people closest to us. Now, by saying, as Jesus did, that we are to love God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength, what Jesus is doing is he is describing you as a whole person. He's describing all aspects of a person. We are not called to love God with just one aspect of our life, but our whole life. And the aim of the spiritual life is one in where all the essential dimensions of the person are organized around God. So that's why we want to look at each of these different dimensions so that we have a, a better understanding of, of what he means by um, our whole self loving him. Now, there, the word all in verse 30 is mentioned four times. So he's not messing around um, with all of our heart, all of our soul, all of our mind, all of our strength. Um, it, in other words, he's really setting the bar high. He's saying, I want you to love God with everything you've got. He is, God is to be loved completely and totally. Why? Well, the beginning of that, uh, right before that, Jesus is quoting from the book of Deuteronomy. Um, it was a prayer that those people, the Jewish people, prayed twice a day. All those centuries later, they were still praying this prayer twice a day. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one. In other words, God is to be loved completely and totally because he alone is the one true God. And God is to be loved with all we have because he gave all of himself for us. God entered into that covenant, that Mosaic covenant with the people, giving himself totally to his people. He repeatedly gave of himself just as he continues to give of himself today. And just as God has given all of himself to us, he expects his people 
to give all of themselves, all of ourselves, heart, soul, mind, and strength and love to him. Now, don't let the superlatives like all scare you off. One quick thing I wanna say um, to alleviate feelings of hopelessness when we see that word all, and I wanna say one thing to keep you from beating yourself up with guilt over that word all. First of all, um, I want you to have hope that maturity and wholeness are God's intention for everyone absolutely everyone. This is not something that's just saved for some super hired holy people. Everyone. Jesus would not invite everyone to love God with their entire being if he didn't also provide a way for you to, to have a growing love that would be a love for God with your whole being. So there's hope. Each and every person, each and every one of you on this Zoom call can grow to love God with your whole heart, whole soul, whole mind, and whole strength. Everyone. The people that you are with during the week that you think could not be further removed from having God in their thoughts, those people too are created in a way that they can grow to have a love for God like that. The other thing I want to mention is um, let's, not, let's not punish ourselves uh, with guilt. Maybe you find yourself in a season where your love for God is really flagging. It's just, it's just not even on your radar. It is something that has just, maybe you just feel like you've taken a beating in life and your love for God has really suffered as a result of it. Well, let me mention this. God accepts us as we are. When we offer our life to him, we can't offer more of ourselves than is there. As we grow, and this will be central to next week's teaching, we grow incrementally in degrees. And God is not angry at us for not loving him with our whole being. And he's not going to be disappointed. And he won't be the least bit surprised if we wake up tomorrow morning and we still don't yet love him with all of our being. But he is pleased when we are growing in our love for him and our love for our neighbor. So having said that, let's take a quick look at the four dimensions of you that Jesus mentions. Uh, as we consider each of these aspects or dimensions of your person, um, each area will impact the overall strength or weakness of your life. And uh, that's depending on what condition each part is in. There may be some parts, some dimensions that you are loving God with all of that. And there's others that maybe are lagging behind. But though they are distinct, keep in mind that they're interrelated and have a bearing on your whole self. So I'm going to try to help you understand these, but know that it's probably not as cut and dried and distinct as, as what we may hope to make it because they are so interrelated. So I want us to think about, about this. What are the parts or dimensions and they're all mentioned in this verse, some explicitly and some implicitly. What are the parts or dimensions of you and I? I'm going to put them here in the chat feature because I think it'll be easier as you refer back to it as we walk through this. Um, heart, and I'll describe in what's in parentheses there by uh, what I mean by heart. Um, the other dimensions of you are your soul, your mind, your strength, and there's also that social dimension 
of you and I, the way that we interact. Um, that's what he's referring to when he's talking about loving your neighbor. So it, it's important for us to be able to identify and distinguish the different dimensions uh, that make up you, just like it would be important to know the different parts of your physical body and how to care for them. Um, if your lower back hurts and your doctor says you need to stretch your hamstrings, well, you need to know what your hamstrings are and how to go about stretching your hamstrings so that you can improve the health of your lower back. Um, and that's free, by the way. I, I didn't go to medical school, but that little, if you're having some lower back pain, just give it a shot um, after you sign a waiver. Anyway, so it's important for us to know these different aspects of ourselves. And um, it's helped to, helpful to know that all of these parts are interrelated and they comprise your soul, your deepest being. We'll get to that in just a moment. So let's start with your heart. The heart, according to Hebrew scriptures, um, according to the Hebrew mindset, is very different than what we think of when we think of the heart in our Western mindset. We typically think of um, the heart as being our feelings and emotions. Someone wears their heart on their sleeve. It means that their emotions are right there, easy for people to see. But the heart, according to the Bible, is referring to the center of our decision-making. This is our will. This is the heart, or sometimes it's referred to in scripture as the will, and it's the executive center of the human self. It's central. It has the power to align all the other areas of the person that we're gonna look at. The heart and the will is where our decisions and choices are made that impact your whole person and the people around you. Proverbs 4.23 says, above all, guard your heart, for everything you do flows from it. So how does that apply to what we were saying uh, regarding the decision-making center of your being? From that executive center of your heart flows everything you say and do. Your outlook on life, your choices in life, and your actions in life all come from your heart. And so the Bible tells us that we need to really be careful with our heart. This is very precious because it impacts so many other things. In Luke chapter 6, uh, there is this story that's being told, and it says, A good man brings good things out of the good stored up in his heart. And an evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in his heart. For the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. Again, guard your heart because everything you do and say flows from it. Jesus said in uh, his what we now know of as the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew 6. He says, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So in other words, the things that you treasure will sway your heart. Your, the things you treasure will sway the choices and decisions that you make. What is important right now? Jesus said it's important to love God with all your heart. For your will and your choices to come from a heart that is head over heels in love with God. When the executive decision-making center of our being loves God, you are more likely to make choices and decisions that are good, 
and right for you and the world around you. The best time for you to make decisions is when your heart is healthy, when what you will is aligned with God's will. Your best choices in life come at those times when your heart is most in love with God. What's important? It's important that we let love for God shape what we long for and let love for God determine our best choices in life. Let's love God with all of our heart. Mind. What is the Bible referring to when it talks about the mind? Okay. I hope that as we walk through these, uh, that you're able to hang with me. This is kind of an information dump, but I hope that you find inspiration in this too, that this these insights um, fill you with hope. Um, the mind. When Jesus said uh, that we are to love God the Father with all of our mind, what did he mean? Well, we think of the mind in the Western mindset, we kind of think of, the mind is what we think with and the heart is what we feel with. But I've already said the heart is not just for feeling, it is actually where we make these big decisions in life. So according to Hebrew and biblical terminology, there is a combination in the, in the mind um, that includes both thoughts and feelings. Love God with all your mind. Love God with all of your thoughts and all of your feelings. Thoughts and feelings, when you think about it, they go together and they're in, interdependent. Um, you don't feel something that you're not thinking about and you don't think about something without also feeling it. Now, you may sometimes think, well, I'm kind of indifferent on that, but you still have a feeling. It's just not much of a feeling. So thoughts and feelings always go together. And what God is, the way he created us is with a mind, and in our mind, we have both thoughts and feelings. Now, if we don't love God with all of our mind, if our mind is separated from God, well, we see that a mind separated from God is a mind filled with fearful thoughts and harmful feelings. The less a mind is fixed on loving God, the greater the possibility of things like confusion and inconsistencies and doubt and hopelessness. But on the other hand, a mind that is enthralled with loving God, a mind meditating on and feeling love from God, this enables you to live at peace and with confidence and rest. When you love God with all your mind, that's when you're most clear-headed, decisive, unwavering, single-minded in your devotion. The person who feels the love of God experiences peace, is strong, and is able to endure. The mind plays a key role in our whole person being able to understand God. God's not asking you to simply blindly love him. It's important to understand him, to get to know him. Look at Philippians 4.8, write that down. That is a way that you can grow in your understanding of God. It actually will help you grow in your love for God as you understand him. And even when we have feelings that feel so strong, even those can result in a calm, life-giving response when we love God with all of our mind. What's important 
it's important to love God with all of our thoughts and all of our feelings. What's important? It's important to think about things that fuel our love for God and that feed those feelings and emotions that give rise to love for God. Now, how about our body? That's, an, uh, that's a dimension of ourselves that oftentimes in, in the Christian mindset gets left out. Now, when Jesus instructed us to love God with all of our strength, he is saying that you are to use your physical body to love God to the maximum of your ability. Um, let me uh, put that phrase, what I just said, in the chat feature. This is kind of describing the biblical view of your body. You're using your physical body to love God to the maximum of your ability. Of your ability, The body is a person's focal point of presence in the world. And by that, I mean you don't think, feel, or choose without doing it in a physical body. Your heart and your mind are not separate from your body. They're interrelated. And the body physically responds to what you are thinking, feeling, or choosing. With training, your body can actually learn to respond automatically in certain situations, which is a really good thing when you think about it. Um, you don't want to be driving in heavy traffic and have to rely on um, on being able to come up with everything that you should do by thinking about it. You want some things to be automatic in their responses. And so what is saying, what Jesus is saying here is, we can actually love God with all of our body. We can get to a point, and I'll talk about this more next week, we can get to a point where our body's most natural automatic response is love. We will act and speak in loving ways. So what's important? It's important that we treat our bodies with love. It's important that we use our bodies to show our love for God to the maximum of our ability. And now the soul. And I know in, in this particular gospel, it's recorded as, as Jesus said, heart and then soul. I've kind of saved it for the last because the soul is what organizes and interrelates all of the various dimensions of yourself. Um, in other words, it is uh, your whole self, your deepest sense of self. The soul is sometimes viewed with such all-inclusiveness that it's referred to in the third person. Uh, in, in Psalm 42, the psalmist refers to his soul like, you know, like this other person. Uh, he says, why are you downcast, O my soul? Why so disturbed within me, hope in God? So he's speaking to his soul. He is speaking to this deepest sense of himself. Um, Dallas Willard describes the soul like an inner stream of water that's coursing throughout our entire being that gives strength, direction, and harmony to all the other dimensions and aspects of our life. So maybe it helps a little bit to, to picture that, an inner stream flowing through you. All of your decisions, your heart, all of your thoughts and feelings, your mind, all of your actions and abilities, your body, all of these come together to form the one soul that is you. 
All of those things make you uniquely you. And your soul is the truest part of you because it can be nothing other than the sum of your heart, mind, body, and also social relationships, which we'll look at later. To lose your soul, in Matthew 16, we read that, um, what good is it to gain the whole world but to lose your soul? Can you actually lose it, like misplace it? Can you actually be without a soul? Well, if the soul is what encompasses everything, to lose your soul is to be dominated by the external cravings that wage war on you rather than a healthy soul that is nourished by everything that is within you. So what's important? It's important to love God with all your soul, to love God so your soul gives strength, direction, and brings harmony to every element of your life. Okay, deep breath. I hope you're still with me. I want us to take a look ahead. I want us to look and think about January of 2021. Can we agree that we, we know pretty much how 2020 is being viewed right now? Uh, we know how this current year is being described. Uh, 2020 is going to go down in history as one of the worst years of this generation. People are writing songs about how terrible 2020 is. People are venting on social media. Therapists' offices are filling up with people battling depression as a result of this year. Um, uh, some people are using a very deeply theological word to describe 2020. It sucks. Not so theological, but this is what some of us are thinking. This year has just been crazy. But here's what I know. And this is going to shape January of 2021. I know that God can redeem this year. And part of God redeeming this year is for us to agree on what is important. And I want to get specific to what is important for us as Bay Marin Community Church. Let me propose this thought. Not just a thought, I want you to reimagine the future with me. If we head into 2021, loving God more deeply and loving our neighbors more sincerely, then I want you to know that 2020 was a really, really good year. So this fall, I don't, I don't believe that that's going to just naturally happen in January. So this fall, we will take practical steps that will increase our love for God. This fall, we will involve ourselves in practical acts of kindness that foster and nourish our love of neighbor. Uh, beginning on the Sunday after Labor Day, we're going to turn our attention to the book of Colossians. And for eight weeks, we're going to swim in that little four-chapter book of the Bible. Each of you are going to be given um, an eight-week devotional for personal and group reflection. Uh, it'll be something that you can use on your own in your home. It can be something that, uh, as a faith, as faith communities meet, that will be a point of discussion. And there's two key aspects of Colossians that we want to look at that pertain to fueling our love for God, and the other reaching us, uh, teaching us 
what could happen in San Rafael or Novato or in the city or over in London when we love our neighbors with the love of Jesus? How could that transform the cities that we live in when we love our neighbors just as we love God with all of our heart, mind, soul, and strength? We will jump into 2021 with a fresh hunger for God's word. We have some ideas for how we will, as a church, read through the entire New Testament together in 2021. And we're committed to that, not because it's a good churchy thing to do. More than that, we pray that by renewing our minds, our thoughts and feelings, that it will transform our hearts so that we most naturally choose to think and act like Jesus. One year from now, in 2021, Bay Marin might be twice our current size, or maybe not. Whether or not we have a big church, hear what I'm about to say, whether or not we have a big church, I am fully committed to each of us becoming big Christians. Christians with a big love for God and a big love for others. So let's go into 2021 able to humbly claim we have never loved God more. And let's head into 2021 with this fresh reputation in our cities where those people say that we are loved by those people from Bay Marin like never before. Why? because that is what is important. Anything else pales in comparison to loving God and others with our whole being. Love is the perfect segue transition into us thinking about communion. Now, I'll very quickly wrap up with this. There is no greater display of love than Jesus laying down his life for us. The Bible says there's no greater display of love than for any of us to lay down our life for others. Jesus literally laid down his life on what we refer to as Good Friday. <laughs> but don't forget that he daily laid down his life as he loving, lovingly fulfilled his father's will and sacrificially loved the people around him. He did that every day. Jesus loved us with his whole self, with his entire being. Just as I talked about those different dimensions of ourself, Jesus had those same dimensions and he offered them all in love to his father and to us. His, he offered his body as a living sacrifice. We read throughout the scriptures that Jesus engaged in spiritual practices in ways that his mind was continually renewed to the point that his every thought and every feeling was shaped by the Father and empowered by the Spirit. And when it came to that Friday, that Friday of the cross, keep in mind, he could have resisted. He had a heart that could choose, but his heart that was all in love for the Father, his executive center of his being chose to die for us. He made up his will to lay down his life for us. So with that, take bread and take the cup. And let's remember that he willfully chose out of 
an enormous love, an incomprehensible love. Let's remember his pierced body and his shed blood for us. I pray that it will continue to fuel our deep gratitude for the sacrifice of Christ and it will help blossom our love to greater levels for you. In Jesus' name, amen.